Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore the system as a map of our unique potential, from the mundane to the mystical. If you'd like to dive deeper into your design, we invite you to check out our ongoing foundation courses and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Richard Beaumont is a 1-3 manifesting generator on the right angle cross of laws and a direct student of Ra Uruhu. He entered the human design experiment in 1997 and is the director of Human Design UK, where he has been actively teaching and promoting the system through many mediums for over two decades. Richard also runs Human Design Films, the company that was created to record Ra's teachings, where he is currently working on new films and courses to enrich the human design community. In this conversation, we explore his experience of coming into human design, the early years of teaching and preparing students as analysts, the importance of the projector type, the cross of laws, and a preview into the new projects he's working on. We hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah, we usually like to start with getting some background on your journey and your experience with human design, when it came into your life and what that was like for you at the time. It came into my life in a proposal for an article. I was running a Mind, Body, Spirit magazine at the time called Kindred Spirit. It came in as a proposal for an article. Now, I'm de- already dealing with more articles than I can shake a stick at, you know, boxes of them going back into the, you know, more than 100, you know, all packed full of articles, you know, people sending in. And this was a proposal. And I thought, well, I can't be bothered to read a proposal. If the guy can't be bothered to write the article, I can't be bothered to read it. You know, I've got too much to do. So I put it to one side and my deputy editor looked at it and she thought, ah, free reading. (laughs) So she ran off and got a free reading, came back to me and and very enthusiastic and said, it's amazing. You know, we should do a two-parter on it. And I was very dismissive. It was like, two-parter on another system. There are so many systems out there. Why would I want to do that? And she said, look, Richard, in two weeks, you're going to be 20 minutes away from where this guy's staying. So why not? And I thought, okay, why not? So I did. Uh, And that person was uh, Richard Rudd. He was the first one, I think, to bring it to England. And he gave me what you could call a reading. It was all stuff in me that I didn't know how he could know. And I wanted to know where he got his information from. So I was intrigued. And and so I helped him with, uh, and we did do a two-part article. You know, it's very interesting, intellectually stimulating. But I, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a busy MG and I had another magazine to do and more articles and interviews and things to do. So I carried on. And two months later, he rings me and he says, you know, the founder of Human Design is going to be in England. He's going to be in Lewis. Do you want to come? You know, you can come and as my guest and you could meet him and I looked at my calendar I thought yeah might be fun that's all I thought might be fun so I drive up there which is uh, about four hour drive and I'm up for some fun you know what is it going to be interesting what's it going to be like I hadn't gone into the material apart from doing the articles noting a few things then I saw Ra this funny little guy in black you know with a strong fucking attitude (laughs) I thought well what have I got myself into here? And yet there was something about that energy. And then he starts to speak. He starts to teach the profiles. He started with the 1-3 profile. And my God, he hit me deep. I mean, that really went in, you know, the description and the accuracy of it. And the truth and the fact that he wasn't messing about. I mean, it really impressed me. So it was his delivery of the knowledge 
so he spoke for about an hour and a half and I thought wow I really like and he was funny of course and very charismatic um at that time I, I got him in his heyday really you know with with all that energy with all that fire uh, and not only that you know he liked to have a smoke he was chilled it was it was funny you know we was just my kind of teacher you know long time ago I was I went to see Osho Rajneesh so the same kind of openness to truth if I put it that way this was really incisive and I loved it basically I loved it what happened was um that was the end of my interest in doing the magazine I mean I've been doing it for 12 years I ran it for another eight years after that so I couldn't just drop the whole thing but the main interest became what can I know what's the this is really good information I want to know as much as I can and there was this incredible hunger not only with me but for the others there we hardly had anything, you know, someone had a little bit of information and we were photocopying it, you know, trying to understand certain keynotes. I mean, very different to these days when there is so much information. In our time, it was very little. And so when he would speak, it would be the first time anyone had heard it when he went into a new subject and it had that freshness about it. For the first time, you know, we were like, oh my God, what is he going to say next? What are we going to go into? So it kind of kept me really in it. And I started the uh, the Human Design Films Limited company when I did some filming for Ra when he came to England. I had, a, I had a big house at the time, big enough to put in the group. And I'd been trying a bit of filming, so I did some filming. And at the end of it, um, they took the film away. And I said, well, I just want a copy. You know, I mean, I've done all that. I've put the lights, I've rented it, I've done the filming, I've done the audio. I just want a copy. And it was like, no. And I thought, that's pretty shitty. So um, next time I'm see Ra, I'm still going to his courses, and I said, you know, it really pissed me off that I didn't get a copy of the course. And he looks at me, probably the way you would look at me if you saw my chart, and it was like, hmm, how would you like to run human design films, Richard? <laughs> you know, hey, that would be great, you know, and the next thing I know, I'm fully committed to filming everything that he's doing for the next few years and somehow having to arrange it on the cuff, bringing in people that weren't really skilled, but they were available, getting the cameras, sorting everything out, organizing hotels and travel and food and how to do it. So I, I was kind of intrigued. I was came in from the love of it and for the transformation that it made to me. And, uh, and it went on into the films that went on into the teaching um and here we are 25 years later it was a uh, uranus opposition no surprise there you know when one finds one's way so i found my way or well, human design i bumped into human design the way a third line will bump into human design not expecting it <laughs> so that's how i got into it so you were obviously exposed to a lot of different systems you were looking at yeah gathering all these articles about all these different teachings what could you say it was about the system that made it seem so different to you or stand out to you in comparison to all the other stuff you were seeing at that time? It was accurate and it was verifiable. That's really it. I could hear something. I could recognize the truth and the truth has a certain ring to it. And it was verifiable. For example, um, well, everything. <laughs> Wherever you want to look, you know, you look and it's there and you test it and it keeps coming back to, as true. So that's really what got me. It became a journey of discovery, unexpected discovery as well. So plenty for me to dig into. Yeah, it was a really, and still is, a really exciting journey. Can you say more about 
sacral response. There are a lot of ways that it gets described. And there are some teachers who focus a lot on, on the sound. Some people focus on the energy in the body. Was there something about that that really grabbed you or that you recognized as a truth from the beginning? Yes. My introduction to it was through the inspired mind, through just the information, and then falling back into the body, coming back into the body in the experiment. I have a very powerful unconscious and conscious energy in my sacral. Well, I'll just say clearly, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the response is something that is not mental, it is energetic. And the sounds are different depending on what the gates are in the sacral. And if you've just got the 34th gate, there isn't going to be a sound. So how one can talk about sacral response just in terms of sounds doesn't make sense to me because it's not. It's the 34th gate will be the energy rising through. It'll be the movement of the energy, the rising of the energy, the smile that comes with it, whatever it may be, the moving towards the thing or shrinking back from it. It's it's physical. It's energetic. And yes, with uh, many generators, it carries its own language. So, yeah, that's what I would say. I experienced it that way as an open sacral being. Yes. Being near it, it's like you can feel it. You don't even need words. You don't need many words sometimes. You can feel whether the energy is moving or not. Yeah, absolutely. You're the guys to really tell. I, I mean, uh, an example would be, what I say I'm constantly surprised by puns is that I was looking for three years. I was moved, I moved, but I wanted to live where in a place that was correct for me according to my environment. I was traveling around the, the different places in the sun. And um, I went to Corfu looking around, you know, stayed there. Was I was writing on the, the report at the time. I went on to Australia. I looked at different places there, waiting for my response, waiting, waiting for the response. And I moved her. Then I was doing a course in the south of France, and it was very comfortable, and it was very lovely, and the people were friends of mine. And I'm sitting there content after the workshop, and one of them comes up and says to me, Richard, why don't you move here? And I went, hmm, maybe. Well, you have to find me a place. I don't speak French. We'll find you a place. And so they did. And it was like a, hmm. And, you know, the place was, was um, done with a German architect. So it was really well made. Uh, this was in the Basque area of France. And I was looking forward to the adventure of being there with people about half a mile away that I really enjoyed. And they're really fantastic cooks and good people. And the French take a long time to do anything when it bureaucracy. And I was staying in a place that was temporary and I didn't have that much longer. I'm waiting for the French and I'm ringing them. And, you know, there are delays and delays. I'm in England. I like where I am in the county. And so I look at the realtors or the estate agents web pages just to see if there's anything around. You know, it was just again, you know, let's see, you know, the French are taking a long time. Maybe there's something here that I can fall in love with. And I saw this place, and the reason I'm saying this story is because as I was typing it, and I saw where I am now, and it was, <gasps> you know, my whole body jumped back on the seat. It was like a powerful response that took me off my bum, you know? It was like that kind of manifesting generator automatic response, so visceral, was something I couldn't ignore. 
I arranged an appointment immediately and I go running out to see them and I say, look, I know this isn't very sensible of me, but I love it and I want to buy it and I'll offer you this. And they looked at me and they go, no, mate, no. So I go back home and I'm still, the power for this place won't go away. And I ring them the next morning. I say, okay, I'll offer you this much. And they said, no. And then I realized, you know, this response cannot be denied. So I took a risk. I took a big risk to bring everything together and then made the offer and they accepted it. And here I am six years later. I made sure that I moved on the blue moon in October, an auspicious time to begin something in that sense. It was from a powerful response that surprised me and could not be denied. One that I'd been looking for, waiting for, waiting for, waiting for. And then out of the blue, there it is. The amount of power does matter. When the French had said, do you want to move there? I went, hmm, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, that would do. But different from, <gasps> you know, different from the whole jumping of the body, you know? Power matters when it comes to big decisions, I, I would say. Seems like that type of response that you describe, you know, where it literally just jumps you out of the chair, takes the mind out of it. The mental debate, is this a response? The way you describe it, it's a pretty strong point of reference in one's current experience of just, wow, that's different than everything else I've been experiencing or feeling. Yes. I'm a manifesting generator with what we used to call, and I still call, splenic generated authority. It's all got a little bit dumbed down to like, you know, you're a sacral being and it's a sacral, you know, it's connected to the spleen. So there is awareness going into that. There is this connection with the sensations in the body as well as the power. Splenic generated, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I still use it. I don't know if other people are using it, but it, it's a different thing to just sacral. Yeah, we've been looking at it that way as well. When we were first kind of introduced to the concept of the sacral response, it was simplified, as you're saying. And the more we've spent working with people, looking at charts, we're ending up where you're at, it sounds like. There's some nuance and subtlety. Yeah, good. Oh, yeah, it's incredible subtlety and new language. What is behind you? Is that a screen that's behind you? Or is it a poster? I can't tell. It looks like glass. It's a poster on glass. And behind that is a heater, is a... Um, a fire. Oh. And it was when I started doing YouTube videos, it was just this black square. So various feedback from good projector friends tell me, Richard, Richard, you know, it's distracting. Do something with it. So that's what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> but even with you, it's like, what is that? So I don't know what else to do with Steve it. projectors. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you guys are vital. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely vital. Please say more about that. It's what's vital about this? Well, I, I have projectors, uh, you know, obviously I've been doing human design for a long time, so I know which projectors to ask about which things. So, you know, I have projectors who are very good on proofreading. You know, I have the 58th gate, but I don't have the 18th. So I'm happy for improvement. I enjoy correction. It's like, can I make it better? Yeah, thank you so much. So I'm grateful. So I contact a couple of projectors who are good with that. And if I'm planning other things that I know they are skilled in, for example, I have a, a projector friend who's on the cross of planning. Oh God, she's amazing with the way that she sets up communities and has things working with people and everyone seems so happy and uh, complicated, you know, huge groups are done and she manages it with such, such love and such efficiency. She's a, a 43, uh, 23 as well. 
you know, if I'm doing something like that, I'll go, I'll give her a ring and say, well, what, what do you reckon? And she'll either say to me, you know, no, Richard, no. Or she'll go, well, you could do this or that, you know? So, yeah, I, projectors are vital because without projectors, uh, especially people like me, um, manifesting generators, we can and dig ourselves a deeper hole and not even know it until it's too late. So, yeah, I pay close attention to what you guys say mm. and the way that you say it. And again, there are different degrees of projectors' communication. You know, if a projector has been recognized and they can speak with some confidence in what they see, if they haven't, it may not be fully coming out, but there'll be other nonverbal signs. And then I have to say, you know, I'm open to it. Let's talk further and, and allow them to open up more into it. Yeah, there is a, there's all different ways. If they're a purely mental projector, sometimes if it's a gunslinger channel, it can come out very quickly, you know, and maybe too fast and maybe not together, like a, like a 4323, if just that is there, it can come out too very fast, can be brilliant, but also you have to then <laughs> put it together sometimes afterwards to get a handle on it. I've had different projectors and different learnings through how projectors guide if a projector has no motors at all, in some cases they can be exceptionally good at summing up what is going on and then communicating it really succinctly in a really complete way. And again, I'm generalizing, but still, that's what I've noticed as a general theme. So projectors are all different and really different. <laughs> you can be a projector and you can still have the design of a transmitter, you know? So that's serious business too, you know? You know, people underestimate projectors. They underestimate them a lot. So, yeah, I've, got, I've done my trial and error and continue to do so in meeting anyone, really. But projectors, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for you guys. We need you. We need you, definitely. Thank you, Richard. I have sort of a, a big question for you or a broader question for you. So hopefully you'll find a through line in it. I was noticing that it, it seems like you dove in to human design really quickly. And probably at that time, the trainings were a lot more condensed and you moved into teaching pretty quickly as well. And so you've, you're one of the few people around on the planet who's been teaching for a really long time. And I'm curious about how that's evolved. When I first got into it, Richard Rudd brought out a modular system, various modules, and then it was systemized through Linda and the IHDS and Richard left and I took over the HD UK. So I'm trying to remember what we did have. We certainly had the Living Your Design course. Rise, you know, created the RAM method where you kind of, you look at the surface and then you go into the detail and then you come out again and then you go in for another run, maybe from a slightly different angle, you know, to give the perspective of what it is that you're looking at. That's a very good system. So I came in at the time when it was a bit like, you know, lots of detail and then lots of surface and that there wasn't really such an easy link through. So I would say that the pathways through to be able to build a good understanding and grow organically with the information came through with what we have now. I am thinking about doing something myself, including everything in the IHDS training but doing things slightly differently. I'm in the middle of thinking about if I really want to do that and what are the consequences of that for me. I mean, I don't mind hard work. I'm used to working like I'm, like three people usually, but um, 
it's really about my ongoing commitment to working directly with students. One thing for sure I am not going to do again, and that's mark papers. Marking, you know, 16 pages four times for each student, you know, and, and sometimes writing more than they do to make sure the understanding goes in. I was kind of an old-fashioned teacher like that. People really got to understand because I wouldn't pass anyone unless they did. I do lead with the iron hand in that sense, or I have done with my seven line one. The results have been really good, but at the same time, I don't enjoy marking papers. I just don't. When they're good, it's wonderful. When they're good, it's like it's like the best thing. But when they're bad, it's like a butchering of the beautiful knowledge and the language. And it's like, oh, Christ, no, you know. Yeah, I don't want to spend my time doing that. So if I do it, it would be very full and very comprehensive and well illustrated. And then I think I would be assessing the students in, a, in live sessions, in discussion as we interpret something. But I'm still thinking about it. You know, I've got a lot on. And you are still offering analyst training through Human Design UK. I was, and then I stopped because I wanted time to create the advanced report that I've got out now, which is about 130 pages for most people uh, when they downloaded. That took a lot of writing. So I took a break during that from the teaching, although I was still going abroad. I was still going to South Korea and Bulgaria and Norway and different places to teach live. So, yeah, the analyst training continued. Still, I've still got four more papers to mark, even now. And it's been like, you know, <laughs> six years since they did the training. You know, sometimes people take a long time to do it. You know, And I say to them, I don't hurry them. I go, well, look, in your own time, you know, I want them to be ready. There's no point rushing someone through who isn't ready. Or them trying to rush through if they're not ready, because I won't let them through. <laughs> I'm the cross of the world, for God's sake. So right. it's my job to be responsible enough to make sure they're, going, they're not going to do any harm when they go out there and that they're going to be able to guide people correctly. And I take that responsibility seriously. Um, on the other hand, there are other things that I am interested in that are, is not part of the uh, the curriculum. And part of my job is also to bring some of those things out. And I'm not going to stop until I bring some of those things out because the community needs to know. Yeah, I don't want to be limited by curriculum in my... And at the same time, I am seriously considering doing the training, but in a different way. But it's not going to be my main focus. My main focus would be new information. You've been teaching students and doing the analyst training over the years for quite a while. What qualities are you looking for in people as you're training them, preparing them to go out there and work with human design on a professional level? Besides a deep understanding of the knowledge or as deep as possible during that process, what do you think is important for us as analysts, like in terms of doing this work in the world? Humility and um, respect for the person in front of you. I do not like uh, so-called analysts that get into power trips and walk around as if they're God Almighty, you know, saying it's like this and it's like that, you know. They've got to have enough enough knowledge to be able to speak the truth. And as you speak the truth, there's a, it heals you as you're speaking it. So every chart, to me, is like a new adventure. You know, it's always different. Mm -hmm. It's always different. And there are always these hidden patterns underneath that you don't find until you really do go to the line value and you consider where where certain things are 
are tied together underneath. The encrypted lines contain all kinds of juxtapositions and alignments that are not apparent until you know what you're doing. But when you do, it becomes really exciting and things that come out. So what I'm looking for in a student is someone who is dedicated to actually learn, to actually go to the line level. Um, the number of people I've sent back because they've kept it an LYD level, you know, and they're trying to be a professional analyst. I go, look, if you're going to stay at the LYD level, then stay at the LYD level. If you're going to be an analyst, you go into the lines, you find out about them, you give me your, your language, you, you let me hear your original voice speaking with the language in truth, and I'm happy. But if you can't do that, then you've got to keep going at it until you can. And if you don't get it at all, you're in the wrong business. The beauty that comes out of someone when they get it, one of the best experiences you can have as a teacher, and someone describes something in a way that's different to the way you would describe it, and yet it's absolutely true and beautiful. I mean, that's what I love. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for their spark to come up, and I'm not prepared to put up with a feeble half-assed attempt. That's not something that I want to encourage. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if what kind of trends you've seen in terms of the kind of people that are coming into the work and wanting to do the work and how that's different now or distinct now than it has been in the past. Uh, in my experience, when I started, I was in England. So I was dealing with um, English women and mainly English women, but English men too. And of course, I wasn't fully secure, I suppose, the degrees of security that come and knowledge that comes over time. But basically, there were smaller groups, there was a lot more intellectual conversation, there was people getting upset about certain things they didn't like in their chart or something. What I've seen over the time, there's this spirit in human design, you know, the spirit of self-discovery, the spirit of finding the truth, of the relaxation and letting go of all the anxieties and all the awkwardness that we used to have because, you know, we were trying to be something. I've seen that come more and more. People are beginning to come into it from the spirit. There's obviously been a growth throughout the world. So there's been a lot of, I've done training in Bulgaria. So I kind of was a major force in my Bulgaria. So when I started there, it was curiosity and it was a delight. You know, there was some really good people at the beginning there that really wanted to know. And we had a lot of fun. I mean, we had a lot of fun um, I like that about the Eastern European countries. They have this willingness and openness, and some of them are very, very smart, which I like. And I, I won't go on about that because then we get all uh, nationalistic on you. But I'll tell you one thing, the South Koreans, I, I loved my time over there. So how's it changed? The majority seems still to be women, 75, 80%, I think. There's been a corruption of the language, which is another reason why I've come back on YouTube, because there have been there are misunderstandings that are spreading, that are just nonsense. There's been a dilution because people are putting out lots of free stuff, trying to earn money by reading half a book and going out there and calling themselves teachers. So that's happened, which never would have happened before. People wouldn't really have dared to do that when Ra was alive. I mean, come on. <laughs> you, you just didn't, you didn't fuck with that guy, you know, if you had any sense. And if you did, then, you know, you lost so much. So that's what I would say. 
And of course, it's much more. I mean, th there is this boost in human design now. It's really catching on. The hundredth monkey effect is taking place. And I've waited a long, long, long time for this. You know, there is this movement that's going broader and higher now. And again, that's why I've come back. Anchor it in the source. I'm very concerned that we don't go away from the source. Otherwise, you get back to a kind of, you know, righteous generalizations which don't help anybody and, and can harm a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Or the misuse of the language in terms of the uh, circuitry so that you end up saying a sentence that is that isn't true by its very nature. The language is wrong. And so the truth is fuzzy and then people's imagination comes in and then we get off the point and there's no transformational uh, essence in it anymore. Not real transformation. Yeah, I really like what you're saying just about the spirit, you know, that people are coming in with. And what I see a lot of is kind of what you mentioned, where people have encountered human design within about a year or two, read a book, take a couple courses, and their orientation seems to be, how do I make money off this and coming in and how do I turn this into a, a viable career or an income? And it goes without saying that you know, we, there should be an exchange of service and, and all of that type of thing. But the humility, keeping a sense of humor, putting the time in, living it, these seem to be things that to me, you know, make for a better analyst or something that would be more helpful out in the world. Yes. The wonderful thing about that is... Ross said again and again, and it's true, there's, there's this kind of fractal, you know, if you're going to put out um, a second rate or third rate teaching, you're going to get second and third rate people coming along quite happy with it. And the whole thing bubbles along like that. So it, it stays at that level. But if you really go into your own experiment, and you're really trying to help the client in front of you you know by going deeply into the chart and you you allow yourself to fall into your knowing in that again it will be different for each of us i have a my intuition is unconscious it comes through in the moment in through the brainwave so i i let it do my readings for me i also let it drive my car by the way it's like you let go and if you are deep in the knowledge then things come out of you that you couldn't have possibly imagined were even there. So the whole thing becomes extremely magical and you get healed and opened up just by dealing with that level of the truth. Not just the client, it's also you. Yeah, it's a deep honor and I'm very grateful to be operating in such a beautiful system. And the truth leads to the truth and the truth can lead to places where no one has gone before. And then again, if you see it verified and repeated, and you notice the pattern and you test the pattern, uh, I'm a one three. So the first line, yes, we dig deep. Yes, we're investigative, but we're also testers. You know, you tested, did that work? Yeah. Does it work now? Yes, oh, it still works. Okay. Let's try it this angle. Oh, it still works. You know, getting it to the point of like, now let's see. Now let me get the feedback from the client in this. So sometimes when I'm doing a reading, I'll, I'll say, Genuine question. I don't know the answer to this, but is it true that such and such? And they'll come back and confirm, and I'll get an anecdote related to that particular matter. So, yeah, it keeps on growing. It's an endless knowledge, and it's a living knowledge, mm. and it lives in every single person, and it comes out differently in every single person, and that's its diversity, its joy, its endlessness, its magic, really. 
because then then timing becomes important. There are certain times when people come to see me. You get to know the kind of people through some of the timings. So, for example, I'm a cross of laws, and I'm a bit of a heavyweight in that sense. If um, The chart is uh, one of those charts. So I can deal with some of the heavy people. Not every analyst, I would suggest, would deal with every person if they don't have that kind of different analysts, you know, are better for different people. So I can deal with some of the hard cases or the people who have been through a lot of trauma or grief or end of their tether, don't know where the hell they're going, this kind of thing. And at the same time, play in other areas. If you look at the personality at Sun, where your personality sun is, and you see what's before you, and you see what's after you, and you see the way that the gates move, you know, you can get an idea of what your role is in terms of being an analyst. So, for example, in my case, I'm a 60th gate, two gates before the end of the quarter of mutation. After me comes the start codon. It's a clear indication that well, we reincarnate. There it is, you know, new beginnings after the limitation. And after that comes the 19, the gate of need, the gate of need that is shown when we're born as babies and we're completely, you know, we're completely helpless. So the way I look at my human design place, when someone comes to me, I go, look, come back into the life, come back into the life. You know, let's live this. Let's see you're calling a limitation and I'm calling a your potential, you know, because after me, you're, you're, you're heading into another incarnation in a way. So people tend to come to me on the edge sometimes, not all the time, but it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I'm actually a uh, son in 41, so I'm right after you. Okay. Are you the unexpected? I'm on the unexpected, yes. Uh, excellent, excellent. Well, what's your profile? Two four. Two four. So I think it's wonderful, isn't it? The, when you look at the abstract, you're looking at an experiential stream and you're looking at the imagination and the excitement to imagine something that could be wonderful. And yet when you put it into the experience, it, it's always the unexpected. You're going to meet the fates at the other end, you know? So there's no way to plan. There's no way to plan with a cross of the unexpected. <laughs> so in that sense, you know, your clients that come to you, it should be a real adventure, I would have thought, you know? You can bring up the, the possibilities of what they really enjoyed. Did they expand in that? You'd be looking for the expansion, real or imagined. But if it's there, then if, you, if it's imagined and it fits, then it can become manifest. There is this journey towards manifestation through the experience. So you can start them off on their journey in that sense, on their journey back to live the adventure of what this is. Yeah, that resonates quite a bit. And it's interesting because my only channel is the 2551. And so hey. it comes along with it, I guess. So, yeah, it does go along with it. It does. You know, you jump into other dimensions and land on your feet, mate. It's very handy. And I would think you've done experimentations or you've, how can I put it? Yeah, I would expect you would have danced along the plant spirit medicine and shamanic ways. If not through that, then through music, because there is always this reaching for something beyond, you know, what is it, how you to move beyond the limitations, literally, 
beyond the 60th gate, to move beyond the limitations into what is possible to be lived in this life. Yeah. As an example, and with the uh, channel of initiation, someone who knows really what the best is. If I came to your house, you know, you never know what a second line is about until you go to the house. And then you see what they're collecting or what their art is or what they like, and you get the whole feeling of, <laughs> of their world. It's something to follow whatever is, you know, whatever someone is, it's always to follow that and do your best to open that up for them. And of course, you know, you're going to do it in a way that needs to be transforming for them. Transforming. It's not enough to just give a reading. If you come from mutation, you want transformation. There's no point in doing it otherwise. Uh, you're not giving them a geography lesson. You're wanting the spark to make a difference while you're in connection with them so that their life changes. And you'll find one way or another to do that, I'm quite sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah, very well said. You're right on both counts with uh, plant medicine, shamanic work, and music. I uh, have spent quite a bit, worked in the music business for a while, and uh, have a pretty strong background with music. All of that really holds up. Yeah. Without music, the melancholy is unbearable and you can get stuck so the music is is the way that you open up to your muse it's so important especially down your road if, you, if you've just got the channel of initiation you've you got to go for the right challenge and you go for the wrong challenge and it uh, completely uh, can break the will despite it being a very strong will so it's about getting the right challenge after all you're you know you're here to be a winner in that sense you know you don't like coming second it's like important to be the first in cutting through the layers if i put it that way mm -hmm. the layers yeah and they're opening up faster than i've ever seen in my life so life is becoming very surreal at the moment and uh, there are more battles being fought on more fronts than any at any other time i can think of I mean, again, I'm I'm a fighter, so um, I've got the channel of struggle. So I do kind of tend to see things in that manner. But also the chance for transformation and the chance for people to uh, really come to themselves. This is the time for human design. This is the time for when humans could really reach to their highest potential en masse. I'm not saying everyone, but en masse, there is this potential. This is a time of the end of humanity or not. And we know that humanity will not end. But at the same time, there is a huge push to wake the fuck up because there's no time to mess about now. Mutation knows that time is running out, knows that death is on its way. We're now in a time where yeah, we're going to need, in my view, we're going to need to access parts of us that have remained dormant for a long time because anything else ain't going to work. We're dealing with the very strong forces that are aware of things that we've forgotten, so we have to get them back. You had mentioned there being a particular areas that you're very interested in addressing or moving more into, you know, beyond the just the scope of standard training. Would you like to speak more about that? What some of those areas are? Twelve years ago, I uh, I did a presentation in Canada at one of the Human Design Festivals on something I called the performance of the pattern. And it was my experiments with behavior and mannerisms related to the chart. And I felt confident enough to present it to my peers. 
I can't tell you. Know, I was insecure about it. It's like, God, you know, if they don't like it, I, if they don't get it, then, you know, I'm out on a limb here. No one had ever talked about this before. You know, I had a number of things up my sleeve and I tried it out and it was verified and many people really loved it. And I've developed that uh, considerably now. When you think about my chart having the integration channel, but not the 10th gate, it's the one thing that's missing. So it's also the one thing, not that I know how to behave, I don't know how to behave, but I, I do clock behavior in certain ways. And because I have a kind of a animated conceptual mind, it's quite easy for me to see the, the stories in movement and, you know, what's behind them. Yeah, it was just a natural development of my research to find that side of the knowledge. I will be bringing it out fairly soon. I've kept it quiet because um, a number of things, you know, the fact that people nick your films, you know, so I've now managed to get an encrypted site where that can't happen or with a lot of difficulty, things like that, you know. I don't mind making mistakes, but I hate being ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> Two different things, or most of the time. <laughs> no, I, I just... The time is always the time. I've been busy traveling, doing these things until um, the lockdowns. So I was on the move a lot and I've rather enjoyed not being on the move. It's actually been good for me. Mm -hmm. The other sides would be in order to go forward, I'm an alpha. So I look, I look and, and think, well, what is the best way to help someone into a better future? And in this case, what is the best way to help humanity in this time of sorting the wheat from the chaff? And in going forward, I found myself having to look backwards, having to look to earlier times and earlier versions of human consciousness and uh, what they knew. So I'm in a deep, deep, deep dive looking at the various abilities that we have in us that are not normal are not acknowledged and are not used. They are used, but people are not aware of them. They're not aware of their own abilities. So I want to try and bring a focus on that. Um, and I'm trying to find a way to do it so that people don't go running off doing a lot of harm because people are people. I'm trying to find a way to do it in a safe way. And I think the only way I'm going to be able to do it with my, within my own values and my own confidence is to do it by hand-picking certain people who I think are ready and we'll try it that way. Yeah, we'll enter into that experiment. So that will come up at some point soon. But I don't want to talk about it uh, much right now. Both of those uh, items sound fascinating to me. So I'm looking forward to... Yeah, damn right. Absolutely, mate. You can, like in everything in human design, you can hone it down. You can really hone it down. And if you hone down to your specific frequencies and what is in you to activate, then it's it doesn't have to be difficult. Hmm. I'm talking about following the nature that's already in us while living in the world, but also understanding, as you do, that the world is not the mundane level that most people seem to think it is. Far, far, far from it. And there are certain times when uh, it becomes apparent and we have access to be able to connect and uh, see in that way. Again, it's not without risk. Hmm. I'm a cross of laws, you know, I'm 60th gate line one, you know, it's it's like, yes, limitations, but also testing the bloody limitations, testing it, see, see where the barriers are, you know, is it really solid or maybe not? Maybe not if we come at this angle, maybe we can get through it. 
I'm a tinkerer, you know, all one threes tinker around, you know, breaking things and fixing things and finding out how things work. Heath Robinson jobs, we, we come up with all kinds of things, but sometimes they really work. <laughs> yeah. you know it's to have fun with it it's to have fun with the knowledge but also to go deep with it and see where it takes you rather than me having a mental idea of where it's going i watch by what happens for me it's a science of what is people going around like you can live your dream you know imagine your reality and you go, <laughs> and I, I look at them and i go good luck with that you know good luck with that. let me know how that goes <laughs> yeah um, there was a comedian, what was his name? A very funny guy, just had the 4323, nothing else. He decided with a mental projector to do one marathon after another, after another, after another. I think he did 25 marathons, one after the other. And how did he do it? No motors, how did he do it? Very, very smart man. He did it by having two very big generators or manifesting generators running with him. And he would run in the middle of them, you know, and then then he would replace them and new ones would come in, you know. So he was constantly getting the energy from the people as he was running and, you know, proving himself to be a superhuman. But he was using all this energy, exhausting the guys, you know. It was so funny. What a brilliant way to do it. But <laughs> people, people find ways around things. But sometimes it's not such a good thing, you know. But the point is, you know, projectors are here for life. And they want to know what life is and they want to know all of what life is. I admire the experiment that he did because he found out what it was really like, you know, without the power, but to have the power being feeding in and to, and to really ride it, literally. One marathon after another, you know, hats off to you. I don't know how long it took him to recover or what the long-term <laughs> consequences will be. I don't know. I don't know. I have a version of that. I used to do a lot of martial arts. I would go into a gym or a school and I'd be often surrounded by a lot of generators who are often younger than me. And when I was in class, I felt like, you know, I can do this. I got this. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, so I'm keeping up with all that, which is, you know, kind of a short-term strategy, but it was usually on the drive home or about an hour later. Then I was like, whoa, that I am so tired. I have dug myself into a very deep hole. And I doubt these other guys are feeling the same way. For me, it usually yeah. came later. There was definitely an aftermath and a deeper hole to climb out of. Yeah, definitely. Sustainment and nourishment. If you use up all your reserves, you, the only thing for the will is, is physical rest, really. With your kind of design, you're going to need to do a lot of stretching. You probably stretch throughout the day. When you sit down and you get up and you do work, okay. But then if you have a long coffee break, you don't particularly want to go back to work. There's not this energy that rises to be used. And work for non-sacrals can be anything. They can be things that people like me don't even think of as work. But for them, it's like, oh, God, you know, I've got to go and clean the windows. You know, I quite enjoy cleaning the windows. But some people, it's like, you know, this is just work. This is just slog. This is just ploddy shit that I don't want to do. And rightly so. Someone else should be doing it, not you. So it's like, yeah, here to have the life that you want, to live the life that is in you to live, which is, you know, I'd have to see the charts, but everyone to be themselves. It's really nice to speak with you and hear your view on projectors. It's, I can tell that you get us, that you understand how things work with projectors. And that's, you know, not something to take for granted in my experience out there in the world. I've lived with projectors in a relationship. You know, one of them did have the channel of initiation and she made me a better man, you know. She styled me in a different way, you know. I would listen to her. 
she was good in different ways, but it, it was that the will, her will, was also something that helped me to continue with what I was doing, to keep to it and, and to keep the quality high. I've taken in will. I know what will is, talking about you here. So I did an experiment once. Here's a clue, right? I was doing a fairly big group and I, I, put, I asked people, who's got will? Okay, I need to know that 35% of people in the world have will. 16 people put their hands up. And I thought, way, now's my chance. So, because I've got a completely open will, nothing going to or from it. So I just said, look, guys, I just wanted to step into the middle of you and feel what this is like. And again, I was it was not what I expected. The heat that's generated from you guys. I could hear my heart in my ears. I could feel my blood moving in me, you know, and I knew then when a will person goes, I will do it. They mean it. They mean it because they it's in them. And when people without a will says, you know, I will do it. I'd like to do it. You know, I intend to do it, but they haven't got the will, you know, but a will is so powerful. And I run experiments with it knowing who you are and knowing who you're with including who you're with with a projector is to be able to get the both have the benefits and have the love to be able to make sure that you don't overrun the project because you know we need to look after the projectors as uh, generators can be far too pushy when it comes to uh, getting things done and and the the projectors uh, uh, you know over speed trying to catch up and everything goes out it gets too much mm-hmm so knowing who you're with and respecting their type is very important. And also, you know, with a projector, I, I go into a place, I'm a one, three. I, I'm not particularly social. I'm not, but you know, I'm a self-absorbed creature. You know, I've got a projector with me. They're the ones that are going to zero in on all the people <laughs> straight away. and Give me feed on who's there and what's going on. So of course I'm going to ask. <laughs> You know, I, I have my own ways. No one can see in as deeply as a projector. What you're saying uh, about the will is interesting for me to hear. It usually is something that's reflected to me from the outside. Like Amy is a mental projector and I get a lot of interesting feedback from her about my will and, <laughs> and how it affects her and what it's like to go on that ride. Yeah, it's interesting when you speak to it. Well, at some point, come to me and let me look at your chart fully and then we'll see because... Uh, again, it's not just will, it's will in an individual channel that moves in its own way. And timing is very important. So there's a number of things. This is the kind of thing that I want to bring out. I want to take people down into certain aspects and uh, certain clues that uh, have been left in the knowledge and put it together in a way that will help humans with the current challenges. Because mm -hmm. I think we need it right now. You had mentioned earlier that there were some common misconceptions out there that you're seeing in the human design world and that one of them, I think you had made mention of maybe the way that, you know, circuitry was being talked about or keynoted. Can you speak to some of these common misconceptions? Yes. Each of the circuitry has its own language. So the experiential language is going to be different from the logical language. And when people are describing a channel, for example, and they're using logical keynotes in abstract uh, channels, the truth is not being spoken. 
it's like when we come into human design, we come into human design uh, using language the way that we've always used language. And it's homogenized. And there are words that are fuzzy and ambiguous. And when you're writing or doing a reading, you need to describe what is there rather than what you think is there. Mm. which means to keep an eye on your language and to be aware of the source that it's coming from, whether it's a line or a circuit or whatever, and to stay within the bounds of what is. That's the important thing, because then you're going to be in tune with the truth. And the deeper you know, the, tr the more profound it can be and the more it can penetrate. If you waver off that, if you talk about the abstract, the abstract moves in a, in a tragic comic way, it's like dramatic. The voice is either can be hopeful or it can be distraught, but it's not a place where you start talking about sadness because sadness is held in the melancholic stream and it's a different thing. So when I go on my site, there's the rave cartography course and I've taken great care to not only use the keynotes correctly, but also to illustrate them to try to get the language really, that side of the language really honed down so that when people are looking at a particular channel, they're staying within the circuit language. One way it's been twisted and perverted, in my view, is in the Gene Keys, because he doesn't seem to give a shit about all that. It's a great story. I mean, I haven't read all of it or anywhere near all of it because I find it annoying because when I look at one of the gate, I'm seeing this mismatched language and I'm going, well, it's neither that nor this. And out of the six hexagrams is using one keynote and saying that's what it is as your highest to get to. This kind of let us rise up and evolve to our highest and this is what it is, he said. How the hell does he know what it is? You know, we are holistic. You know, and, and the depth and the way that it all goes together, it's not for anybody to say your highest is within this realm. That's just not, it's a fantasy. That's an arrogance in my view. And it's also misleading. So if you're using the language correctly, there will be a natural evolutionary path and it will come out as you're describing it. And it will come out in the response of the person you're talking to or in the recognition of the person that you're talking to. I think it's very important when you're doing readings to have the person in front of you where you can see them. Zoom is fine, but just somewhere so that you are getting the a feedback loop to see how your words are impacting and to pick up on the things that are when they suddenly go like this or they suddenly freeze or they there's a giggle or something, whatever it might be. And then that gives you then the next path to go down to, to lift that, to have a look and see what's there. If you're not, if you're using fuzzy language and you're mixing the circuitry language and you're mixing the line language and you're trying to do it all without a chart, the worst can be expected and confusion comes. Think about where it came from. It came from a tribal man with the full defense circuit and logic and uh, abstraction. That's what you get. You get an, an inspired and well-written fantasy of what it could be, if only but you've got to be part of the tribe and stay together and, you know, make more and be caring and loving as well. You know, even if you've got a design of a complete bastard, you know, I mean, like, you know, we're, we're different. There are natural killers out there. You know, there are really people that are out there designed to be certain forces that most people wouldn't want to be. Ra often said, you know, there's every kind of 
design out there. I enjoy fairy tales, but only for their truth and mm. for the truth that's been passed down through the generations uh, that was not censored. That's one of the things about the past. They censored a lot. They've destroyed so much of the past and hidden it and so much of the real things that we, get, we need right now. They haven't messed about too much with the fairy tales uh, and the stories that were told to the children. And again, in those kind of old stories, you're going to hear stories that are uncomfortable, but there is no Hollywood happy ending. There is stuff that happened in that story that you have to live with, come to terms with, and you have to expand and grow in, in order to be able to do so. That's the power of the correct language, the correct way of passing knowledge through, in my view. Yeah. I saw a lot of that in astrology before I, I met human design. I had studied a lot of astrology, and one of the things that I'd see a lot of was just kind of sloppy language, sloppy technique. And, you know, the astrological chart as a map is pretty open-ended. One of the things I like so much about human design is it really cuts through a lot and kind of gets to the point a lot quicker because you can kind of see anything in anything, in my experience. And mm -hmm. there's something about the way design's presented that I think kind of reduces some of that if, if you stick to the source or, you know, you have a good foundation in it. But the other thing that comes up in what you're saying is how important it is to know who's filtering it, where is it coming from? And that's one of the things that Amy and I do at the beginning of any class or workshop that we do is we put our charts up and say, look, we're two individual projectors. Here's the design. I'm a two four. She's a five one. Just so you know, this is your filter. Take it for what it's worth. This is our experience and where we're at with it. Right. You know, we're looking at this together, right? Yeah, exactly, mate. Uh, so, Amy, you're a 4323, is that right? Yes, and 6124. And the 614, fantastic. Okay, wow, what a quick mind that is. Quick and crazy. Fantastic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a real inventor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's lovely. What a joy to speak to two freaks. I love it. <laughs> I, I identify more with my freakiness than anything else. I've got a 573. And, and yet I'm collective through my identity and through my direction. So I'm a, a journey of discovery and then the alpha. I look quite conservative on the outside, which is useful because no one sees the mutation coming in until it's too late and the pulse goes on and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> which I quite, you know, I enjoy the entertainment of it. But yeah, you know, I, everyone that knows me knows that I really, really, really appreciate Freaks. So. Good to be here with you guys. Yeah. There was something that's been sticking in my mind that you said, I think you were just starting to speak to it again, about certain things that we've either forgotten that we need to remember or things that have been lost or yes. hidden that we need to bring back. Can you say more about that? Yes, it's something you know well. Our human connection to the elemental world has always been a relationship between humans and mycelium and the plant world and the natural world, there are necessary rememberings that need to come back into consciousness. You can see it beginning to happen now more and more. There's been an expanse, not just of human design, but of other important things that I think we're going to need, uh, one of which is uh, access through ayahuasca, through San Pedro, through mushrooms. There's been um, a growth in people finding deeper truths and becoming more able to open to that love that's inside them because of it. When I say love, I mean connectivity 
and connectivity to everything. In my view, we are really in a spell and it's really breaking the spell. So there are certain things that we used to know that have been taken from us and it's going to be useful to bring them back. Amy, you're an open G, so the understanding of placement and where things need to be in order to create the energy lines necessary for whatever the job is. Some people are naturally good at that. So basically, yes, it's coming back to a wiser version of the human consciousness that is still here. Graham Hancock uh, wrote a wonderful book. I'm about halfway through it because it's one of these masters, a really thick book, talking about prehistoric art. And there have been various theories about what it's all about. And off they are doing their hunting things. And, you know, it's all about hunting and very limited view. And yet there are beings there that are part animal, part human. And there are these beings and men as well that are bleeding from the nose. And there are certain aspects of the Stone Age art that is seems to be working with the rock and the perspective isn't there. It is in some, but then it isn't in other areas. So it makes sense. I agree with him. The only way it can make sense, if it was the the painting of a vision that they had, probably through mycelium or different things, depending on where the caves are that you're reading it from. Mm -hmm. So we have within us an ability to do many things that uh, are not coming from Marvel Studio uh, and are not make-believe superpowers, but they are actually uh, real propensities in people that can be trained and can be hopefully used well for good. And that's my dilemma because, you know, a not-self-projector is going to use it for power. A not-self-generator is going to, God knows what they're going to do with it. There's a denseness happening in the world. We know how dense the not-self is. There's a, there's a shaking up, there's a waking up, and frequency is becoming more and more an important thing. Not only uh, the frequency in terms of being yourself and resonating out from you what is true. Uh, a harmonic frequency is put out for people that are living correctly, no matter what they do, and a dissonant one if it's not-self. So. Within all that, there is also an evolutionary process going on. One of the things I think people forget is um, in what Ra was talking about in terms of the rave and the evolution of consciousness and the, the coming of the rave, it is also the case in my view that there is an evolutionary process going on in human beings. And it's that that I'm tapping into. And it's that that I want to help bring out because that is also going on. But that's part of what I'm up to. <laughs> well, it certainly seems very needed. We're amazed by it all the time. And I think it speaks to what you mentioned before that, like you said, human design has become so widespread. There's so much information that's just passed around all over the place. I could feel it when you were talking about a murky fairy tale versus the precision of the language of the mechanics. It's completely different worlds. And I can feel it in you, in the way you speak, there's just a substance there. Sometimes it's hard to know that it exists if you're not around anything that carries that. Yeah. But once you feel a kind of substance and truth in someone, it makes it very obvious where that's absent. We've been seeing more and more people who recognize that 
they're on the hunt. They're they're looking for substance and and they're humble enough to recognize that there's value in finding that and following it. Yeah, it was the same for me being around Ra, you know. Um, he was not a very uh, forgiving character. And, you know, if you weren't correct around, if you if you start trying to initiate around, around Ra, who's the manifester, it's like, that ain't going to work at any level. My first real experience of that, because of all the, all the information I was getting through the magazine, I remember going up to him and saying, hey, Ra, you know, I've just found out this, this is really wonderful information. You know, you really, you know, you'd really benefit from this. You know, do you want to talk about this? And he just looked at me and he goes, yeah, so you say. And that was it, cut me dead. It's like not interested at all in what I had to say, not in the least, you know? So when I was with him, as time went by, when I was with him, I would keep my mouth shut and I would wait for him to manifest and to say whatever he wanted to say. And in giving him the space and holding the space in a good leader is a good follower. Basically, you have to be able to follow and to lead what is that, to let that that can lead, lead. Because of that, it was to my advantage in terms of going deeper and learning more to give him space. And then he would come up with something completely, you know, <laughs> uh, something I wasn't thinking about at all. And it would be like, what? But I remember I was, we were having a cigarette in, uh, in my car in one of the groups in Newcastle. Let's get out of here. You know, he, he, following, he's like he, very fast. You know, he wants to get away from the people. We get into the car, the car door closes. We smoke. The condensation on the windows comes in and uh, sitting in silence occasionally something would be said and he just goes and he draws a little thing on the in the condensation and i look at it i go hmm. he goes do you know what that is and i go no mm. he didn't tell me <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell me it was the glyph for personality he was working with the rave psychology at the time but the point is it was always i never knew what pandora's box he would open up next and that was the exciting thing and it could come from anywhere and it could be major i mean some things i i cannot repeat in uh, publicly because they'd be probably misunderstood or whatever but the point is treating someone with respect, who carries that vibe is definitely the best thing. Yeah, we all come to human design thinking we're clever and, and yet we're really very dense in our awareness of ourselves. Ra had a wonderful way of showing it. I remember I was standing somewhere in, in one of the festivals and he's walking down the path and I don't see him walking down the path. And as you know, you know, manifest this, you know, they appear and disappear. You the the clothes and repelling aura they could just like whoa didn't know you were there so I'm walking by and, and i'm standing there talking to someone and suddenly he just in a very easy way fluid way hits me on the back of this shoulder so i spin right that as he and he just walks by never looks back just walks by you know get out of the way you know it's like it's just a wonderful uh, example of another unexpected lesson to be learned beautiful <laughs> So, yeah, I know what you mean. I know how fortunate I am to have spent time with him. And I like that kind of teaching. There's too much bullshit teaching and too many people trying to get somewhere, you know, irrespective of who they are. 
have this idea of where they want to get to and plans on how to get and people that promise they can get them there. It, the whole thing is really quite mad in the personal development world. Always has been, but it's even crazier now than it used to be when I was uh, right in the middle of it. We're so lucky to have human design. We are so damn lucky. Yes. And it never stops, you know. The numbers stop after a while, but the knowing continues and continues and continues. And at each level, at each seven-year level, there's a shift. At each three-and-a-half-year level, there's a shift goes on and on i don't know where it's going uh, you know sometimes it's really quite spooky i mean i freak people out regularly with what i can come up with or what comes out of me mm-hmm. and killing myself <laughs> and it's like whoa it's like you're you're in a flow here there's there's uh, there's magic happening this is what it's about to be an individual is to be in the magic moments nothing else quite hits the spot you know <laughs> you know that yes True. I can really feel the brainwave frequency in you, the 2057. And that's always been such a fascinating yeah. channel for me to, to contemplate or to look at. And here I feel like, hey, I'm watching it in action. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Let me give you a good example of that. It was for me as well. I'm talking to a, a couple of hundred people in Bulgaria. And I finished talking. And then someone at the back, I said, any questions, you know, and someone at the back puts their hand up straight away. And she asked this question, and it's one of those questions that's designed to kind of be problematic or something. I I forget exactly what it was, but it's one of those sneaky kind of questions. It it wasn't a problem to answer it, but I intuitively wanted to come back and deal with it in a beautiful way, in a funny way, because that channel, it can also be very funny, can be very amusing. And it's unconscious in me. I heard the question and I looked at her. And then I just knew that she was the only person in the room wearing a hat. And I turned around just to to double check, confirmed that was true. And I started my answer by saying, well, you know, I find these kind of questions often come out with uh, people that wear hats inside. And of course, everybody turned around and looked at her and she was the only one wearing a hat. And then there was the laughter and it was like, you know, (laughs) it was just just penetrating to the now, to the moment. Knowing, but not knowing how I knew, and being able to use it because it's the only fifth line in me, the 20 line five. It's I've only got one fifth line, and it comes out in the moment through penetrating awareness in the now. So, yes, it can be heretical and it can be it basically, I've grown to appreciate it, and uh, I don't do anything but it, but appreciate it when it comes out basically. Mm-hmm. So I don't get in the way. I don't get in the way of my own readings. When I'm doing readings, I'm not thinking. I'm I'm looking at the chart and letting the news come through me. I really take it, uh, I shouldn't really say this on radio, but I really don't care about the time I spend doing a read. If there's a transformation happening, I'm going to stay with it until we get to the end, until my intuition comes to just a moment where I go, well, that's all I have to say to you. You know, and then and then I relax and then it's that, you know, if there are any questions, but basically I don't stop until that happens and I don't know when it's going to happen until it gets there. So it works in that way as well. And of course, the ability to, with the 57, to be able to track intonation because of the acoustic nature of it. And I have it in the first line. I can tune in to the way something is said and, and, and where that comes from. All I have to do is, well... 
I don't have to do anything, basically. Uh, the awareness is there and the knowing is there at the same time. And then a question may come from that or I suddenly realize something that I didn't realize before. Sometimes it can be like a the sensation rushes through me like a like a flash or like a flood sometimes. Temperature can change. Hackles go up on the on the back of the neck and the tingling in the temples. Sometimes when it's coming out, there'll be a shiver going through the body. You know, you just have to surrender to the process of the awareness showing itself as it does and let go. And Ra had this, of course, as well. Right. And he had it consciously. He knew when he had it. And he played it for all it's worth. <laughs> the 12th gate, you know, the, the 12th gate, the ability to pause and then say something. Mm -hmm. Space between the notes. He used that very well. And with intuition, when he would say something after that pause, you know, it, like it really went in designed with all those first lines in his chart to really penetrate very deeply. So, yeah. We've been talking a little bit about your incarnation cross, the cross of law so far, but that's been <laughs> another area which has been fascinating to me to look at, yeah. to try to keynote, make sense of. So I'd love to hear from you, first person, what your experience is with it. There's always a parking space for me. There's always a free table at any restaurant all i have to do is walk in and it puts out a certain disturbing energy and people decide it's time to go and the parking places are, um, are effortless they just appear as i'm driving up it's a strange channel uh, mutation is a strange channel it it's pulsing but it's also a source for mutation an energetic source for mutation. It's like the tail to the top that, that Amy has in the 6124. Because I have it half conscious and half unconscious, I've learned with the unconscious stuff to go with it. It has a certain way about it. It's an unstable base. And if you go with the unstable base at certain powerful times, times when there's an environmental shift and you let that channel go it will show you things it will show you new things in different times in my life for example the the performance in the pattern work came from watching a film and being deeply 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 affected by the film surprise i like surprises and uh it's an energetic that can move through the body and as it moves through the body it takes you to somewhere new which can then be turned into something you conceptualize if you stay with it. You've got to surrender to it. The key for the mutation is in the in the surrender in line six. You know, I've got it in the third line. What is fertile and what is not fertile? Uh, what is juicy and what is not juicy? You know, if something hasn't, if there's no potential for mutation, I'm out the door. You know, you take me to a party and it's all the same old, same old bloody conversation. And I will try to entertain them. I will try to get the conversation onto something that might be interesting. But if not, I'm out the door. And sometimes these days I'm out of the door almost as soon as I walk in. That happened yesterday. <laughs> you know, I went to meet a whole lot of people and I walk and the body goes, oh, I don't think so. And I find myself outside having a and it's really cold outside. And, the, and it's like, you know, there's no there's no juice in there. Not a good place to be for you, mate.
<laughs> waste of fucking energy get out you know if you're a generator you have to follow your energy mm -hmm. uh, and the more you do that the more you find yourself in the right place at the right time talking to the right people or looking at the right thing and if you go around not following your energy you're looking for something that your mind thinks is going to be useful and your mind knows nothing about your life force it only knows experience from the past but it knows nothing about the magic in the present and it knows nothing about what's going to bump into me tomorrow uh, it really doesn't i did a video recently on purpose and i i framed it around the wheel i have the channel of struggle in me and so purpose is there in the 28th gate and that's tied to the awareness and it's tied to my energy i'm a single definition so when mutation kicks off in in me uh it affects everything and i'm on the journey and it does because it does it wants the new you know and it can be a bit weird sometimes but i like the weird so it's not a problem for me <laughs> i have an energy that doesn't like to rush either so i make sure that i don't it's very often very rare that you see me run and if you see me running you better run as well <laughs> if i'm running run. that's it you know don't even think about it if richard's running <laughs> you gotta run now as well you're not gonna make it you know and it's supposed to be the channel of the manic depressive okay well i like the manic side of me you know i enjoy the manic side people say it as if it's a bad thing mm. you know you're a manic depressive i go yes isn't it great you know <laughs> and then in the depressive side when when the energy can get so dense then if i can just get my finger to the music machine if i can do that if i can do that then things begin to move if I can't do that then I can stay with this energy that wants to move but can't move then I move I mean it depends it depends on what I'm doing what where I am <laughs> what's going on but really catching it catching it when it's about to flip and following it is the thing so I really I would say uh, as I've gone through human design my body has taught me a great deal the information of course has been incredibly valuable but in the experiment it is the body that has taught me so many 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 things that are not written down anywhere and continues to do so and i remind people of that we are here as a witness consciousness in a body and uh, the body it's really the whole thing is not about you know humans being whatever they they want to be it's about the perfected form and we're in a a, a version of that and the body is absolutely amazing that's a message i really would like people to understand and when i do bring out the other information and pin, begin to pinpoint it for people then i think that's going to make a big shift mm -hmm. i'm sure it will because it's so beautiful and verifiable <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it doesn't go away you know we are what we are it's like you get to see your own dance you know it's a projector you get to see yourself dance in your in your own way and recognize different aspects and enjoy them even more well thank you thanks for your time my pleasure i mean i look i enjoy talking i've got the storyteller in the in the in the same uh, cross so that's where i ground myself in the stories and the anecdotes and the mythical tales that hold truth and the 60th gate is there to know what the limitations are but to keep testing them mm -hmm. to see if they're really as solid but to be secure when you can be secure but to be go to go out into insecurity if there's this empathy for 
some knowing or some knowledge or that's coming towards you that is on track with where you're going. The law part of me is my values and my values are uh, the design earth. So it's something to understand that I am, uh, I'm a responsible person. I am very responsible according to what I take responsibility for. And that ain't going to change. It's You get to learn your design as time goes by, uh, certain details come up. I'm learning in a different way now what interdependency is all about with the 50 line three through living a, a rather magical life. Whenever you've got an individuality, You've got a tenuous hold on reality, shall I put it that way? <laughs> if you've got a logical channel, then there's this, or there's always this, this real world side that is there. But if you don't, I mean, I do have that as well. I have the alpha as well. But if you don't, you don't, you, you guys don't. Mm -hmm. You know, reality is not as fixed as it is for many people. And it's great that you're together and it's good to, that you can uh, be companionship in that kind of grace and madness <laughs> well said <laughs> I was gonna say insanity yes <laughs> yeah there is a macabre side to your channels isn't that yeah it can seem crazy but it's magic you know Ra, Ra again and again said it's magic it's magic he, sometimes he would say it about something and sometimes he would just say it but that's the point it is mm -hmm. it is we are magic is where it's at and human design is a way for us to get to our own uh, relationship with that magic. I love that. Okay, I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We go all day. Thank you. I really appreciate your perspective and uh, awareness on these things. Thank you very much for coming on and, and meeting with us today. Great pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for the work that you do, you know. Mm -hmm. We're part of helping the helping everything. Mm -hmm. It's good work. It's good work. It's good clean work what we do. So good luck. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, and yeah. I can't wait to see these offerings that we touched on as they come out. Is there anything that you would like to say in terms of what's currently available or where people can go to find you and what's out there right now? The LYD, ABC and Rave Cartography are, are out there in 55 hours of training, deep training. Uh, they're available at any time because they're on film and they're also Q&As. I've put out some raw film. I keep looking at the whiteboard in front of me because it's kind of there as a constant reminder. There are three major courses or four major courses that I want to bring out, uh, which are not yet ready. And I've talked part of them live in several places but um i'm going to bring out something that you guys are absolutely going to love i'm really kind of leaving a legacy behind and uh, i'm going to do a deep dive into your chemistry in ways that uh, is not normally known it's the fourth version of my course on individuality mm. it's a lifesaver basically because you you guys have come to human design but there's a lot of freaks out there that have no idea what the hell's going on and they think there's something really wrong with them you know, and that they really are crazy and that there's nothing that can be done. And everybody tells them they're crazy and they don't understand their beauty and their potential. So there are courses that need to come out. There's a lot on there. There's a free report for anyone who doesn't know much about human design. You can download a report. It's about 50 pages, not full pages, but 50 pages, something like that. There's the advanced report, which is 130 pages, roughly, some more, some less, but some maybe a page less. So there's lots of goodies on there. 
and there are audios from the Human Design Library, which was the work of Ra from his time in America, the agent for the person that owns that. So that's the only place you're going to get it. You're not going to get it anywhere else on the internet. Um, so great value in terms of raw information. Uh, so you get hours and hours for very little money. I mean, like it's the best, one of the best deals out there. I do do readings. I'm fairly inundated with readings and I might have to stop them for a month in order to, to kickstart something even bigger. That's available right now. And there are videos, there's lots of videos on all the stuff. So there's there's some low price items there that are highly illustrated and animated because I am an animated character. So I like to have fun in my teaching and I'm with the second lines in the view that life should be life should be playful as well. So there's also that side of bringing out information in a humorous and uh, accessible way. Mm-hmm. So that's available on, on various videos. I think there's about 36 videos, including videos on Ra talking about certain things, mm. both long and short. It's quite a resource. Uh, it's called www.human.design, not .com or anything else, just .design. Okay. I had an inside woman get that for me. When it, when uh, the .design uh, things came out, I was very lucky. It was like a fight to get that, you know, it's like, and she managed it. And that was a projector. That was a mental projector that got me that uh, URL, <laughs> by the way. She's very good. She's very good. We will put it in the show notes and uh, we'll link it up. Good. Thank you. All right. Lots of love, guys. Look after yourselves. Thank okay. you so much. Thanks again, Richard. Okay. Bye-bye. Good to see you, really. <laughs> you too. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoy the show, please review us and share. You can find us at humandesigncollective.com and explore our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast is courtesy of Meg Ruby and Anders Parker. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for upcoming episodes on the same channel.